What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Impact Michigan podcast. I'm your host, Leanna Bod, and I am really excited that you're either watching or listening to this show. This show is about the people making the growth and development of Michigan's economy happen. Entrepreneurs, investors, innovators, public figures, you name it. If they make stuff happen, they've been on or will be on this show. Before we get into things, I wanted to invite you to support this podcast through my Patreon account, which you can find at www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Leanne Abad. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's essentially a way for creators to be supported by their most dedicated fans. And I would hope that's you. So if you're interested in more of this content and helping me make this thing sustainable, check it out. Here's a word from our sponsors. A special thank you to WeWork for providing the studio to record this podcast right here in downtown Detroit. Head to we.co slash podcast Detroit to learn more about WeWork. This interview was recorded as part of Detroit Startup Week, which is a week-long celebration of entrepreneurship in the Detroit region. Check out the festivities at www.detroitstartupweek.com. All right, with that, let's get into the episode. Welcome, Josh. What should I have for lunch? Honestly, what are you thinking? Like salad or? No, I mean, I gotta like probably eat while I'm like carrying stuff to the my talk. True, I don't know. They have some things here. Um, they don't have like a full on restaurant. They have a few snacks. Um, really depends. If you're in the go kind of mood, I would honestly just go with like a protein bar. I don't know. So like Twix? That's not a protein bar, that's a candy <laughs> bar. <laughs> I don't know, it depends how healthy yeah. you wanna go, honestly. You know, I'm more of a, like don't eat until I absolutely need to kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you, but. We'll see, and then it'll be like 50-50 of whether like I pass out in front of 1,500 people on stage. True. Because I haven't eaten. But True. like that's like a good, you know. Yeah. Once, when I um, when I went to Ibiza, um, they had this game called Still Knox Races where you'd be at the club and Still Knox was like this extra powerful sleep, sleeping pill and people would take it as they were leaving the club and see if they could get home in time, you know, between the cab ride and back to the place before they passed out, like, you know, in a cab or something like that. So, um, yeah, this interview is starting off really well. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's dope. So um, I just want to get into it, honestly. So because like, I'm a big fan of StockX and Thanks. not to like fanboy out or anything, but so I watched your TED talk and I was like, holy crap, this is, this is really cool. And one of the things that really stood out to me was, okay, the sneaker resale market is now 1.6 billion, right? Last year. US. US, yeah. And I just looked up the apparel resale market and it's estimated to go up to $41 billion by 2022. And so what I'm really curious about is in your point of view, what does the next year to three years look like for StockX? You don't have to go super specific, but like bird's eye point of view. Well, first let me just uh, put an asterisk on that data, right? So when we talk about the US sneaker resale market being about one and a half to, to $2 billion, um, that's really about the shoes that we think of at, 
call it the shoes that we sell on StockX. That doesn't count the, the millions of pairs that are sold on eBay that are gray market or that are just some random shoe or that long tail. Um, and so if you were to, to go that route, I think that number globally probably looks somewhere closer to the apparel market, um, although there's still just a much more long tail of apparel. Anyway, um, we're a data guy and that's what we do. Um, so uh, I think that's relevant. But StockX is, you know, today StockX is in four categories, sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Yep. And so we'll continue to grow like any other marketplace grows by continuing to add other uh, product categories. Adding other products within those categories is, is happening literally today. Um, literally, as we speak, uh, we're adding Fear of God to the site. And mm. uh, I don't know if it's live yet right now, but certainly by the end of the day, it will be. Um, last week, we added Supreme Skate Decks. The week before that, we added Cause, BFF, and Companions. So how do you add other product categories just within the categories we already have? Then it's other verticals. Maybe some of the verticals that are coming down with Pripe would be art prints, um, you know, maybe uh, collectibles, uh, perhaps uh, musical instruments. Um, there's a whole host of other verticals that might work for it. But the really interesting thing, when you talk about um, sort of the future of StockX, is working with brands to literally yeah. IPO consumer goods, right? Mm -hmm. So we grow this way, we become a, a larger marketplace the same way any, you know, an eBay type of marketplace grows. But the really interesting part becomes working with brands to blur the line between what is resale and what is retail, right? We start right. to create one single market. You think about that's what the stock market is. The stock market is one market where you have both the retail transaction, i.e. the IPO of Facebook stock, mm -hmm. and then the resale function when the rest of that market continues to trade it. Right. And that's what StockX is trying to do for consumer goods. Yeah, and I found that really exciting because I, I watched the entirety of your Google talk and I was like, okay, I was blown away by just all of the, the actual data that was in there and just the, the, the visioning of it. And so one point I want to hit on next, um, so what goes into selecting the next vertical for StockX or the next, the next verticals for StockX? Like, what do you analyze? I know you mentioned uh, scarcity in your talk, you mentioned uh, standardization and uh, in an article I read, like Nintendo and consoles, you mentioned art prints, Snapchat mm -hmm. spectacles, Kylie, Kylie Jenner lip kit, et cetera. So yeah. what metrics do you analyze from like an outsider or even if you have, if, from an outsider's <laughs> point of view, <laughs> I was about to say something, but um, but yeah, so, so what, do you, what do you look at? Yeah, so there's, there's two halves to this. So one half is, is the, call it just, I mean, Porter's five forces, like what any other business would look at when they're going into any business, right? How big is the market? What's the competition look like? What's the average price point? You know, what are the, the customer service issues? Just basic nuts and bolts, like, you know, business 101. For us though, StockX, the model works for almost any product that has, the way we call, talk about it, that has finite supply. Mm. And what I mean by that is, StockX, the, the stock market and the stock market model, it doesn't work for anything that's a unique one-of-a-kind item, a one-of-one, a house, a work of art, anything there's only one of, there's no market for that. And it doesn't work for anything that there, it's already a pure commodity that has infinite supply. So think about this plastic cup, right. toilet paper, shampoo, anything that has infinite supply, right? It, it doesn't really work um, for that. But anything that's finite supply, which is almost any consumer good, right? My guess is there's some finite number of those hats that you're wearing that were made. Um, then the model should work really well because what StockX is about, StockX is about understanding supply and demand, understanding how many are out there and who wants to buy it. 
StockX is Econ 101 at its most basic. I mean, this is literally like day one of Econ 101. It's just supply and demand, but you have to have some finite supply, right? And then understanding demand. And that's what StockX does. StockX understands demand, and that almost doesn't exist anywhere in the consumer landscape in terms of what are people actually willing to pay for something. Right. And so, again, in your Google talk, and, and you mentioned this in the first answer to the question, but uh, you talk about, uh, you give the, the example of StubHub and how before, you know, like, let's say 30 years ago, uh, scrappers for tickets were like, they were being like hunted down. And so now it's the official fan to fan, to fan marketplace for tickets. And like you said, blurring the line between retail and resale because StubHub now even has partnerships specifically with like the Yankees, the Tigers, et cetera. And those are quote unquote, the brands in StockX's example. And so you've actually already broke ground with, um, on this with the Nike LeBron release. So talk a little bit about that and a, a little bit more as to the future of, of how you see that playing out. Yeah, I mean, this is the best part of, of any interview, right? And so I literally, I brought this just in case. Um, so I have with Actually, me here an actual Cavs championship ring that I will let you uh, play with while we talk. So we did this package with Nike, and um, Nike released LeBron's first retro, the Air Zoom generation, on StockX first before it went to any other retail channel. This was in January of last year. So before it went to StockX, or before it went to Foot Locker, before it went to Nike.com, um, Nike released this shoe on, on StockX. We created a sneaker box that's literally made out of wood from the Cavaliers Championship Court and included an actual Cavs Championship ring in the box. But here's the thing, there were 46 of these. We had a, a true Dutch auction. We had an IPO of these products and they sold for an average of $6,000 a piece. We gave half the money to charity, but this was homepage in the New York Times. Mm -hmm. And the reason it was homepage in New York Times, it was not because of the ring or the box, although that helps, right? Yeah. It was because this was about Nike going direct to the secondary market for the first time. Right. This was ticket scalping 15 years ago when they finally decided to stop trying to arrest ticket scalpers and said, hey, we're going to create a partnership with Major League Baseball, mm -hmm. and we're going to join it instead of fighting it. And with, with this, the, the whole thing, the whole the capstone of this whole thing is that the, oh, there were 46 of these packages. And after the IPO, seven of those people wanted to resell those packages after they bought it from StockX. Right. And we let those people resell it without ever taking possession. So people literally made thousands of dollars and never touched the product. This is like true commodities trading. This mm -hmm. is like oil futures and frozen Stay pork trading. bellies. And it is. And we don't do that at scale yet, but like that's the big idea of StockX. So there's three layers of this. And we talk about where we'll be in a year, two years, and three years. The business is growing so fast. I don't know from a timeline, but certainly the functional parts is today we're a better resale marketplace for certain products. Tomorrow we can work with brands to become an alternate retail channel. And then you can literally put an investment layer on top of the whole thing yeah. and let people buy or sell Yeezys without ever taking possession. Yeah, and I think like when you were mentioning that, my mind went back to this slide that it was, it was data first, that was the first circle, then it was resale, then retail, and then investments. And you know, right now you guys have like indices like the Jordan Index, the Nike Index, Adidas Index, et cetera. And even though you can't directly invest in that, can you talk a little bit about what you mentioned in the talk as to like in the future, maybe, you know, there's a little bit of that data, but like what, what goes on with that? Yeah, look, 100% in the future, you will be able to invest in a Jordan Index or a Yeezy Index, right? Or a Supreme Index. Um, today we have a few indices on the site um, and we have a stock ticker. and 
all that stuff is mainly for fun, for brand. I mean, it's real data that flows into that, but you can't actually invest in it. Right. Um, but eventually you will, for sure. A any financial transaction you can think about in the stock market, right? Whether it's futures or, or shorts or, you know, um, you know, all of it is, uh, is possible. And that's the bigger idea of StockX, of, of having this platform that is built in every way the way the stock market functions, right? This is not a, a marketing gimmick. Like, this is genuinely the stock market. And all we did was take it and point it from stocks and commodities to consumer goods, right? We didn't make this up. We literally took the most efficient form of commerce for hundreds of years and just pointed it at something else. Yeah, so how do you plan to navigate? So currently, like, your average consumer, I don't exactly know, but a lot of 15-year-old kids, you know, kids sure. our age, just like buying and selling, you know, Yeezys and et cetera. And so how do you navigate the knowledge that is needed to, like, once those capabilities are on StockX, like, how how like do I have to learn how to you know short a stock or? <laughs> yeah, I mean we're probably in trouble if we have to teach everybody how to short a stock. Um, you know when we launched the uh, product in February of 2016, um, our biggest concern was that was you know can we build a product and put something out there where we knew our our core demographic is a 15 year old kid. Um, is that person going to understand what a bid and ask is? Right. Um, do they need to? Um, and you know, we say that we have um, created a design and created a UI and UX that we either have succeeded because of it uh, or perhaps in spite of it. Right. That, um, and it's hard to know, right? But here's the thing is we sell a lot of sneakers. So those 15-year-old kids have figured out how to use it mm -hmm. and whether they actually know what are bitter and ask is or they understand why it's better or why it's more efficient or why it's transparent, it kind of doesn't matter, right? The fact is they've gone through it and they, uh, they come out the other side and understand that it's better and it's different than what's been going on before. And, um, and that's really the, the important part. Although, you know, the flip side of that is for this certain demographic who loves sneakers more than life itself, um, you know, maybe they would have figured out how to jump through, you know, any hoop that we threw right. at them, right? They would have figured it out if they had to, you know, fight a shark, like they were still going to figure <laughs> out how to buy a pair of Yeezys. Right. So, you know, it was also maybe a good product to start with. Yeah. And, and I mentioned that because, so you guys recently launched um, payment plans using a firm and I've used a firm before. Um, and so uh, a few people had, had mentioned like, it's, you know, it's, it's a pro and con thing. It's like with, with, the strengths that it comes with, it obviously comes with like hindrances. And so again, like how do you balance what's um, quote unquote right for a company? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to word it that yeah. way. I just can't think of a different a good way to word it. Yeah. And like the potential risk that would bring on your customers. Yeah, so um, I was pretty uneducated about uh, a firm and similar businesses um, when, when this was sort of brought to our attention. And it was kind of brought to our attention because, frankly, we were the last people in the sneaker industry to implement it, right? Yeah. Um, every one of our, our competitors um, uh, already had a firm. Um, and honestly, part of the uh, tipping point was we saw Shinola um, at a firm. And Shinola is a, mm. you know, a Detroit-based um, you know, watch and, and um, other product company that is more high-end and, um, and also within the sort of quick loans family of companies. So we know those guys. And, um, and ultimately, as we took a deeper look into a firm and, and how it works, um, the reality was that our customers were asking for it. And um, they could go out and they could create the same function on their own. Um, and so it was almost, you know, we were really just listening to what our customers were asking for. Yeah. And, um, and so that's it. And so it, it's been uh, good for us. It hasn't 
um, been a drastic shift, but it, it's it's been useful. And um, and honestly, that's one of those things where like it seems like that's what the market needs and that's what the market calls for. So that's where we're at. Yeah, and so. Uh, I just saw on Instagram that you finally got Dan Gilbert to wear sneakers. Was that the first time when he wore those red Octobers? The best part about that is, is I wouldn't even say that I finally got him to because I didn't know he was going to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he showed up to our company meeting wearing red Octobers in a size 12, and he's uh, like an eight and a half. So, um, yeah, it, it was all him. It was 100% him. He, he knew what shoes he was picking up, but we have a, a display wall um, – in, a, in our office that has about, I don't know, 20 or 30, you know, really high priced, um, you know, iconic shoes. And uh, and he stopped by without anyone knowing and picked them up and showed up wearing it. So it was pretty awesome. He got That's a standing hilarious. ovation from the team. That's so. awesome. Mm -hmm. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. So uh, talking about a little bit about Dan Gilbert, um, you said it was pure serendipity about how you two met because you started Campless. They reached out to you. Um, how was that? What was that like? I know uh, it was at a Cavs game, right? Yeah, the there's a very pretty long and crazy story here, but the the short of it, most important part, is that um, Dan basically had the exact same idea independently mm -hmm. to create a sneaker stock market, which is pretty crazy for a lot of reasons, um, not only because of the fact that he just wore sneakers for the first time in, in the three and a half years I've known him, um, but, you know, his business he's no, has no ties to the sneaker industry. Um, but I later found out he's always had this much bigger idea around a stock market of things, right, that you could buy or sell um, sneakers. You can buy saw any products the same way the stock market works. And so um, he put together a team independently to start working on a sneaker stock market, this concept that they had come up with. And as any business would do, as you're starting to get into industry, we're doing research and, and on the market. And all the, the data, everything about sizing the market, all the data was campless. And mm -hmm. I was pretty much the only one that had been doing sort of real analytics on the secondary market. So that's how they found me as they were going through and, and they were looking for sneaker expertise and people that understood the market. And so they reached out to me um, and they invited me to a Cavs game uh, on Easter Sunday of 2015. And, um, and that, that game went really well, and we realized that we were literally trying to do the exact same thing at the exact mm -hmm. same time, which is crazy for so many reasons. And they kidnapped me, and they brought me back to Detroit. And uh, I spent the next two days in Detroit. And by the time I left um, on Tuesday, um, we had a, a basically a deal in principle to sort of merge our two businesses and take Campless and, uh, and merge it into what Dan was doing and for me to come to Detroit and move it and, uh, and help run the company. So that was um, Easter of 2015, and um, you know, a couple of weeks later, I started showing up in Detroit every week and flying here from Philadelphia, which is where I was living, and uh, and then we launched the product. Um, you know, about 10 months later. Yeah, awesome. So we're gonna go into quick quick fire round here, but before that, uh, to wrap it up, where can people find more information about StockX? I know you guys are are hiring like crazy, um, and anything else you want to promote? Yeah, no. Look, I, I appreciate that um, because. Um, I literally say all I do these days is uh, is recruit. Um, we're up to almost 360 people, I think. Wow. Um, in January, we had about 120. And there's easily another 100 or 200 people I'd hire tomorrow if we could find the right people. Yeah. And it's everyone. It's across the board. It's from you know from people that that uh, you know that unload trucks and and sneaker authenticators and handbag authenticators to uh, engineers. You know, I could hire 
100 engineers tomorrow and customer service and marketing and, and even you know C-level executives across the board, literally everyone. And um, for us, that's our biggest bottleneck just in, in terms of growth. We have this phenomenal roadmap and opportunity in front of us, but um, you can only find, screen, hire, recruit, and, uh, and onboard people so quickly. And, um, and finding the right people couldn't be more important. So look, I mean, you know, you can go to StockX, the site, and we appreciate everyone's support and, you know, go buy a, a $2,000 box logo hoodie. But, um, <laughs> you know, but man, it's like, we need people. Uh, mm -hmm. We need people and, and it's phenomenal to, uh, to be in that, that position, which is really good. Yeah, awesome, so quick fire round. So what are your top three grails? Um, so top three models for me are Jordan 1, AirTech Challenge 2, and Air Max 90 which is not exactly the same question you asked. Yeah, yeah. Um, because like any, my, my grails change all the time. Okay. It's usually something that I don't own. Yeah. And then it goes back and forth. Like right now I kind of really want to buy like the, um, the uh, Nike SB Dunk High Skunk mm. uh, was like, honestly, I saw an intern like wearing it like a couple <laughs> weeks ago. And I was like, man, I've always wanted that shoe. Now like yeah. that's been like all the shoes that I think about the most. So I think about it sort of other ways, but like, those three models are the models that I have the most of, and I wear the most of, and I certainly have grails within them from certain right, shoes. Right, so, yeah. respect. Yeah, and so 2018, favorite sneaker drop? This is a, um, an idea that I've kind of lost uh, concept of time, so I'm not really sure what drops in 2018 versus, um, you know, like 1995 when I was in uh, <laughs> high school. Um, what's the last shoe I bought? Yeah, I mean, he suggested the Sean Weatherspoons. I, I think it's a really well done shoe. Um, I just, I don't know. I like every time I like look down, I can't really like see my my uh, my feet wearing those. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's 2018, but this is the shoe I've been wearing the most of right now, which is mm. the the Pharrell Holy, the black ones. Yeah. Um, this is 2018, right? So. This was 2018, right? Yeah. I yeah. think so. Yeah. If not later, yeah. Later. 2017. Yeah. Right. So like, I, yeah. This is the shoe that I that I wear the most of right now. Yeah. Okay. So. Cool. And so if you could create a collab between any two brands, which would they be and what would the product be? StockX Easy. What would the product be? Just like a StockX Easy straight Stock up? StockX Easy 350. Mm, I like that. I'd totally rock that. <laughs> yeah. um, what's the most you've ever paid for a pair of sneakers? Um, I actually, for the first time, uh, spent almost a thousand hours on a pair of um, off-white Prestos mm. that um, I bought when the market was still going up, and they weren't quite to where they are now at about sixteen, seven hundred. But I, I think um, I think I spent about like nine hundred, and that was definitely the most I ever paid by probably mm. a good three hundred hours. Interesting. Yeah. And so, last question here: If I asked you to give three pieces of advice to aspiring entrepreneurs, I already know what two of them would be, which are do something and keep doing that thing. Two, talk to everybody. Nobody's gonna see your idea. But what would the third be? Yeah, look, those two are, are big. Um, you know what's funny is, um, you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? I love him. All right, so uh, I've just sort of made it my mission to start uh, teaching everyone at StockX about, about Gary. Yeah. And, um, and he's got a little, lot of really phenomenal advice about um, entrepreneurs, uh, for entrepreneurs, et cetera. And, um, one of the ones that I've been really big on and trying to find the right way and the right piece of it to communicate is um, is on essentially um, lack of entitlement or, or mm -hmm. the, whatever the opposite of entitlement is. Um, I use um, millennial as a, um, an insult 
mm-hmm. and um, right of like this idea and which is you know it's wrong as a as a general thing and like you know all the PR people are just cringed in the back but um, <laughs> is like this idea like this idea entitlement I it, like kills kills yeah. me and it kills people and I hate to see um, you know sort of like young talented uh, you know hardworking people that that come in and because of that like because you can you can tell right away. Um, if someone like you know thinks they're entitled and thinks that, and it like changes like every perception of it, and it's like man, and you can also tell like the inverse of people that not and like roll up their no. sleeves and, and do whatever. And I'll give you the best example of this, and without like saying names, which is when we first started at StockX, there was um, uh, an intern who was working with us, and um, uh, and we just started, and it was crazy, and we we're all running around, and um, and we we're just trying to figure out like how to just operate in the in the business, and uh, like and. I was on my way out the door and I was like, hey man, can you figure out how to get us trash cans? Like we didn't have trash cans at our desk, right? We're literally like throwing, and I was like, can you just figure out how to get us trash cans? And he's like, sure. And then like, I get an email like the next day later and he's like, I didn't like, you know, I don't want to work here to get people's trash. I'm like, yo, you're totally missing the point of like, of like all this, you know? And I was like, I will get the trash cans. Like it, you know, it doesn't matter. So yeah, it's like whatever it is around lack of entitlement is like, that's what kills me. But um, that's a much bigger, bigger idea. And, and Gary, you like hammers that shit like nonstop, and it, it is on that. I think it's just a phenomenal. I feel the right way to, to, to say that. So to word it, yeah, mm. totally awesome. And with that, I want to thank you so much for coming. Nah, on. man, thanks for having me. I, I, I appreciate it. I think.